Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1637. Seven Reasons the Scale is Lying to You About Your Progress by Rachel Gregory of metflexlife.com. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, reading you some of the most popular health and fitness blogs out there with permission from the websites, of course, and always with a bit of my commentary at the end. Now, don't forget, we have a bunch of shows where we narrate articles for you, just like this one. Just search for Optimal Living Daily wherever you're hearing this to find all of them. And with that, let's get right to today's article as we optimize your life. Seven Reasons the Scale is Lying to You About Your Progress by Rachel Gregory of metflexlife.com. In general, the scale is probably my least favorite tool to track progress, but I do think it has its place when used appropriately. Now, what do I mean by appropriately? Well, first of all, if you're only using the scale to track your progress and dictate the changes you make, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. If your goal is to change your body composition in any way, like lose body fat, and build muscle, the scale should not be used alone. I repeat, do not use the scale alone. You must combine the data you get from the scale with other tracking metrics, such as body tape measurements, progress pictures, how your clothes are fitting, how you feel, and so on, or else you won't be getting the full picture of what's actually changing with your body composition. Additionally, if you get caught up in what the scale shows on a day-to-day basis, you're going to drive yourself absolutely crazy for no reason. There are so many different factors that impact the number that shows up on the scale in a 24-hour, 48-hour, or even week-long time frame. Here's what the day-to-day scale number actually reflects. 1. Hydration status and electrolyte balance. Electrolytes like magnesium, potassium, and especially sodium, control water balance and cell hydration. When electrolyte levels become too low or too high, they can cause shifts in fluid balance, which can lead to increased or decreased water weight. Did you go out to dinner last night at your favorite Mexican restaurant and wake up the next morning three pounds heavier? Guess what? You didn't gain three pounds of fat overnight. That's impossible. You just consumed a lot more sodium than you're used to and your body is retaining extra water. Two, food residue in the gut. Fun fact, food residue, or the undigested food moving from the gut through the colon before excretion, can actually make up three to seven pounds depending on what you ate. High fiber foods tend to produce 
more food residue. That big salad you ate last night with extra broccoli and cauliflower on the side is still hanging around this morning and causing you to freak out during your morning weigh-in. Three, your frequency of bowel movements. Anybody else weigh themselves, take a poop, and lose two pounds? Just me? Doubt it. Four, carbohydrate intake, reflected in glycogen storage. Glycogen, the storage form of glucose, also known as what carbs get converted to in your body, can make up around 5-10% to of the weight of your liver and 2% of the weight of your muscles. For every one gram of carbohydrate stored in the body as glycogen, there is approximately three to four grams of water retained. Eating lower carb during the work week and decided to indulge in a slice of pizza with your family on Friday night? Yeah, you bet the scale jumped up Saturday morning. It's just water. Five, whether you worked out or not. Working out can cause you to both lose and or retain water which can of course tip the scale in opposite directions at different times. When you work out and sweat, you will lose water and electrolytes. Depending on how much you sweat, the scale can drop significantly. When you resistance train, you put stress on your muscle fibers, which causes small micro tears and inflammation. This is how muscles grow. Break them down, build them up, and your body can retain fluid to try and heal those micro tears. Personally, I always see a jump in the scale the day after I train my lower body because my legs tend to be more inflamed and are holding on to a bit more water. It's a sign I pushed myself in my workout, not that I gained two pounds of fat overnight. Also, your muscles store glycogen to break down for energy during your workout. If you're new to resistance training or haven't trained consistently for a while, you may have an increased amount of carbohydrate and water being stored in your muscles, which can lead to a jump in the scale number for a little while. As your muscles become more accustomed to the exercise and more efficient, they will need less glycogen to maintain the same level of energy output, and therefore, you start to lose the initial water retention, usually within a few weeks. Takeaway. If you just started lifting weights for the first time in a while, you may see the scale number increase for a week or two. Don't freak out. Six, your menstrual cycle. There are two main hormones involved in your cycle that naturally rise and fall throughout the month, progesterone and estrogen. During the luteal phase, the time between ovulation and before the start of your period or menstruation, progesterone levels rise, and progesterone can actually cause you to be less likely to retain water during this time because it blocks the binding of aldosterone to its receptor. Aldosterone is a hormone that plays a large role in water retention in the body. As progesterone drops during the late luteal phase, there is actually a rebound effect which can then cause water retention. Additionally, the surge in estrogen during the follicular phase, the time between the first day of your period and ovulation, can cause a woman's body to retain more sodium and ultimately cause more water retention. So, during the late follicular phase, around days 10 to 14, and the late luteal phase, around days 26 to 28, you're more likely to retain water and see the number on the scale rise. This doesn't necessarily happen to everyone, and some may notice water retention at other times during their cycle due to individual variances. Additionally, if you are postmenopausal, hormones will still fluctuate at different times and can cause water retention to the same degree. And seven, stress and sleep. Chronic stress can cause water retention due to the increase in cortisol which is the primary stress hormone. 
This occurs because cortisol can partially bind to a receptor known as mineralocorticoid receptor, which normally binds a hormone that causes water to be retained in the body. When enough cortisol is present, and for long durations of time, it can bind to this receptor and cause water retention. Lack of sleep may also affect the sympathetic renal nerves in the kidneys, which regulate sodium and water balance. For these reasons, high stress or a lack of sleep can absolutely cause the scale number to rise. Okay, I think I've made my argument. The biggest takeaway here is that the hour-to-hour and day-to-day variability of the number on the scale does not matter. So, what does matter? When you use the scale to assess weekly and bi-weekly averages and long-term trends. Although this is not always the case, in general, a downward or upward trend in scale weight over time will correlate with body fat loss or muscle and fat gain. Tracking weekly and monthly averages can be helpful for assessing changes if done correctly and in combination with other metrics like weekly body tape measurements, monthly progress pictures, performance increases during training, like you're getting stronger, how your clothes fit, and how you feel. Ideally, if you're going to weigh yourself, you want to do it a minimum of four times per week at the same time each day, although every day would be the most accurate for getting a seven-day rolling average. This approach allows you to bypass daily fluctuations while still creating a trend line that's either flat downward or upward, representing no change or a true loss or gain over time. Main takeaway. Short-term changes in body weight are practically meaningless, while longer-term changes tend to represent more accurate progress. Don't let the day-to-day scale fluctuations get to your head. They do not matter. How to use the scale appropriately. One, weigh yourself at least four times per week ideally every day so you can truly get an accurate weekly average. Two, weigh yourself first thing in the morning, before eating or drinking, after using the restroom, nude, you get the idea. Three, make sure your scale is on a flat, hard surface, not on a rug or the carpet. Four, weigh in using the same scale. Do not alternate between your home and gym scales, for example, because it will lead to inconsistent readings. All scales are calibrated slightly differently. And five, remind yourself that it doesn't matter at all what you weighed today. This is just data you're using to track trends over time. You just listened to the post titled Seven Reasons the Scale is Lying to You About Your Progress by Rachel Gregory of netflexlife.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com health. Just go to indeed.com 
slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. When I was a health educator, I instructed group weight management classes. Something I would often talk about is how the number on the scale can be so misleading. Just as Rachel said in today's article, there are so many things that can make the number on the scale inaccurate. My patients would often get frustrated throughout the course of the program because their weight wasn't changing like they expected it to. So, we would take pictures of each participant on the first day of the program, halfway through the program, and at the end. The before and after photos were always so dramatic. I would also encourage them to keep at least one pair of pants and one shirt at the start of the program. So by the end of the program, they could see how their clothing sizes have changed. And I would say the photos and the change in clothing sizes probably left the biggest impressions. So again, think trend over time, not day-to-day fluctuations. All right, that'll do it for today. And I'll be back here tomorrow for our usual Friday Q&A. So stay tuned for that where your optimal life awaits.